As you can see, open your Bibles with me to the New Testament book of Galatians. We are starting our sermon series through the book of Galatians titled Faith, Freedom, and Family. I am excited about what God is going to teach us through this series. I'm excited about how God is going to change us to be more like Jesus through this series. I'm excited about how God is going to use us to bless and minister to one another through this series. And so we're going to embark on this journey today as we begin our study of Galatians. This is a timely and relevant series for us. Four points I want us to remember as we study through Galatians. These four points will help guide us as we study through Galatians and remind us of uh, the focus that God has for us in this time of study. Number one, the first point, God's word instructs us. God's word instructs us. As Paul told Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God. It's useful and it's profitable for teaching us. We learn about God, his will, and how to live his way in his word. God's word is true. It's trustworthy for you and me. God's word is always right and it's always best for us. And so we know we, like the psalmist, need to say each day, God, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your word. So as we go through this time of study in Galatians, just know that God is going to instruct each one of us. He's going to teach us his truth. Secondly, we know God's word encourages us. God's word encouraged us. Paul shared in Romans 15 and verse 4, for whatever is written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. God's word encourages us to live his way. God's word encourages us to place our faith in Jesus. God's word encourages us to keep our eyes on Jesus. God's word encourages us to persevere in our faith in Jesus. God's word encourages us to tell us about Jesus. God's word encourages us to turn to Jesus and trust in Jesus every day throughout the day. God's word is encouraging for you and for me. Whenever we need encouragement, we can go to the word and we can find that encouragement. The psalmist said, on the day I called, you answered me, and you increased strength within me. The Lord God is the sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. He will keep in perfect peace the mind that is steadfast, for it is trusting in the Lord. And God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God's eyes are on us, and his ears are open to our cries for help. Ask, and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you over and over again as we look into the word of God we find his encouragement pouring into our lives this world is discouraging God's word is encouraging and so as we study Galatians we're going to be taught by God and we're going to be encouraged by God as we study through Galatians. We also know that God's word, the third point, is God's word matures us. As Paul told Timothy, 
all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. It's useful. It's profitable for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that we will be mature, complete, equipped in our faith in Christ Jesus. Paul shared with us about how he was longing to present everyone mature in Christ Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. God matures us as we read and study and obey his word. And as we grow into maturity in Christ, as we mature in our understanding of this word, we are then able to think the ways God wants us to think. We're able to feel the way God wants us to feel. And we're able to do and say all that God wants us to do and say. It's encouraging and humbling even right now to know in these moments that God is at work in us and he's maturing us in our faith even now. He's maturing us. And so as we make our way through Galatians, we're going to be taught by God. We're going to be encouraged by God. We're going to be matured by God. We're going to come through this study as we get into this word and as we study and make our way through this word, we're going to grow in our faith in Christ Jesus and we're going to be more mature each time we get into the word than we were the time before because God matures us in his word. And then the fourth point we see is God unites us with his word. God unites us together as family in Jesus God's word unites us together. It calls us together to follow God and to love God and to obey God and to trust God and to live our lives for God. God's word is a lamp for our feet. God's word is a light for our path. God wants us to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. He wants us to devote ourselves to one another. Why? Because God's word unites us. And so as we study this passage and as we make our way through Galatians over the course of the next weeks and months to come, God is also going to unite us together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're going to grow closer together. Now, we're going to see this play out in this study because these points are the exact things that were happening in the churches that Paul wrote this letter to years and years ago. These churches were being united together. And what we're going to learn is there was some significant learning curves going on in these churches, specifically in regards to becoming a body of Christ Jesus together. There's some sharp, steep truths that Paul poured into these believers, and they had to wrestle, and they had to work, and they had to humble themselves, and they had to listen so that they could become united together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And without question, I believe that same struggle, that same wrestling match, that this same truth is going to help us. It's necessary for us today as we continue to become united as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Our challenge through this series is the same as our challenge day by day. And that challenge is to be doers of God's word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. God wants us to live what we learn from his word. 
And so we're going to get a chance to look in at these believers years and years ago who were wrestling with being doers of the word and not hearers only. We're going to get a chance to look in and to observe them as they were struggling to live what they learned from God through Paul. And we are going to be reminded that that is our call today as followers of Jesus Christ. Each day, throughout each day, our challenge is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we make the mistake of thinking reading the word is enough or hearing the word is enough taught or listening to word taught on podcasts, and those are all great things and they're all necessary things, but if we think that's enough, then we deceive ourselves because all of that is to be used for the same purpose and that is to help us do the word, to help us to walk in obedience with what this word says. And so we're going to have a fantastic time together uh, walking in the word as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And I can think of no greater time and day than to start this series because there's really nothing going on at all uh, in the world today. There is nothing happening, nothing going on. This is a great day, a great time for us to take this word this morning and then to spend the rest of the day and the evening just focusing in on this word because there's certainly nothing worth our attention or time, anything going on in the world or on TV or anything happening today that would keep us from doing this. Uh, and so it's a fantastic time for us to focus in on what God has for us as we uh, walk through the front doors of this study of Galatians. So Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love for us and your work in us. We thank you for your word and we thank you for this word that you have prepared for us. Father, we ask that you would now minister the, your truth to us by your Holy Spirit in us. God, may we read, may we listen, may we understand, but most importantly, God, may we do what it is you're calling us to do. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's get started. Y'all ready to get started? Let's get started. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So we are going to get started, and so let's set the scene, let's set the background so that we can understand what's going on, and we'll continue following through this scene as we make our way through, but specifically here at the beginning, especially in chapter one, we need to set the scene. First point is this, the author is Paul. The author is Paul. We see this clearly. Paul lets us know this in the very first word of this letter. Paul wrote Paul. He made it clear. Now, it's also interesting to note, in case the believers in Galatea did not get this point, in case the believers in Galatea missed the reality that Paul was the author of Galatians, then Paul reminded them in chapter 6. Turn to your right to chapter 6 real quick. In chapter 6, in verse 11, Paul reminded them, and he gave them some biographical information throughout Galatians uh, that would remind them. But then in chapter 6, in verse 11, he said, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. So we see, beginning in chapter 1, the very first verse, uh, the very first word in the very first verse of chapter 1, Paul. Paul set the tone for this letter in his greeting for this letter. He set the tone for this letter in his greeting in this letter. Paul said, now Paul, an apostle. Apostle literally means one who is sent. Apostle is one who is sent forth by an authority with orders, with a commission, or with a message. Apostle was used in particular in the New Testament 
to refer specifically to the 12 men Jesus called to follow him. Jesus chose these 12 men. Jesus commissioned the 12 men to follow him and to be ministers and witnesses for him. Jesus trained these 12 men. The 12 men were with Jesus throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus. Apostle is used interchangeably in the New Testament with the word disciple in reference to these 12 men. Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples or apostles of Jesus. Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples or apostles of Jesus. But Paul here, at the very beginning, in verse 1, Paul declared that he was an apostle just like the 12. He declared he was an apostle. Now, Paul said he was not an apostle because of man appointing or ordaining him. He was not an apostle because a man appointed him. He was not an apostle because a group of godly men appointed him, quite possibly like the group of godly men that were leaders in the church in Jerusalem. He was an apostle, every bit just like the 12 disciples or apostles that Jesus called, but he was not an apostle by a man or through men. God called me into ministry. Uh, Years and years ago, God placed a call on my life uh, to uh, follow him into ministry. In particular, God placed a call on my life to be a pastor. Uh, God commissioned me with uh, the calling, the task to declare the good news of the gospel to and for all those in the local church. God called me into ministry to be a pastor and under shepherd, and I have no doubts about that. I have not ever doubted my call into ministry. I know that I know that I know, as sure as I'm standing here, that Almighty God placed his call on my life to ministry, and it was God who called me into ministry. It wasn't me or wasn't anybody else who called me into ministry. It was God who called me into ministry. However, My call from God came through and by man. My call to ministry came by and through man. There is a group of godly leaders in the church that I was at prior to coming here to be the pastor of this church. And this group of godly leaders observed my life. They watched me as I ministered. They tested me. They questioned me. They examined me. They confirmed after observation and testing God's call on my life. They laid their hands on me. They prayed over me. They prayed for me. They encouraged me and spoke into me. And then they appointed or ordained me into ministry. I received a call from God to be a minister of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God chose to share that call with me and to me through and by man. Paul here is saying, my apostleship was not by, through, or because of men. Paul's making this clear. 
My apostleship, Paul said, was not by or through or because of men. Paul said, my apostleship was from Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's my apostleship. Draws all the way back to Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised me, who raised Jesus from the dead. Paul said, I'm an apostle called by God, sent out by God, with a commission from God to share the good news of the gospel for God, to preach and teach the good news of the gospel. And we see this calling, we see Paul's calling to apostleship in Acts chapter 9. Turn to your left and let's go to Acts chapter 9 real quickly. I want us to see this calling as this will help make things clear to us as we look at at this passage. Acts chapter 9 and what Paul is saying here. Acts chapter 9 uh, beginning in verse 1, Luke wrote uh, these words, and, and this is uh, a summary of God's calling on Paul. Paul's apostleship can be directly connected and tied back to Acts chapter 9, Luke writing, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Now get the imagery here. Hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now, if you look ahead real quick to verse 18, at once something like scale fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained strength. So this is Paul's calling from Jesus himself to be an apostle for Jesus. Paul was called by Jesus to be an apostle for Jesus, and this calling was undeniable. It's unmistakable. It's clear. It's right here in the word. And so we see this is what Paul was referring to when he said, my apostleship was not by, through, or because of man. It was by and through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So here's the first question we ask and we look and find the answers here immediately because this is going to help direct us and you're going to hear me share more and more about this as we make our way through Galatians. The first question that we have to ask of the scriptures right here in this passage is this. Why did Paul open his letter this way? Why did he open his letter this way? Well, there's a simple answer. Paul immediately began defending his apostolic authority because his apostolic authority was under attack. He immediately began, Paul, an apostle. He immediately defended his apostolic authority because his apostolic authority was under attack. False teachers had 
come to the churches in Galatea and they were seeking to undermine, to discredit Paul, his ministry, his authority, and his teaching. These false teachers are saying things like Paul put himself into ministry. Paul was not a genuine apostle like the other 12 who were with Jesus. Paul was not called by Jesus. Paul was not trained by Jesus. Paul didn't travel around with Jesus. Paul disregards the Old Testament law and Moses. Bottom line, simply put, these false teachers were saying Paul was not to be trusted. The false teachers were trying to undermine Paul's ministry so that the people wouldn't listen to Paul's message. So Paul confidently said, my ministry and my message is from God. Here's the very beginning. My ministry and my message is from God as he's writing to these believers because he's counteracting the false teachers. Paul was not insecure and Paul was not struggling with the sin of pride. Paul was defending the truth of God's grace to us in Jesus. Paul was defending the truth of salvation by faith in Jesus. Paul was correcting the false teaching from the false teachers. Paul was protecting the believers in Galatea. Paul was loving the believers in Galatea because Paul was speaking the truth to the believers in Galatea. He was speaking truth to them in this letter to them. He was reminding them of the truth that he had taught them when he was with them. And one of the ways pastors are able to protect the church and love the church is speaking God's truth to the church. And that's what Paul's doing. Paul defended his authority throughout Galatians. He defended his authority throughout Galatians. So we know what Paul also knew. We can say immediately from the first couple of words, we know what Paul also knew, and that is simply this, spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. From the very beginning of Galatians, the very first words, spiritual warfare is real. Satan does not want people who don't know Jesus to come to faith in Jesus. Satan doesn't want those of us who know Jesus to follow Jesus or live for Jesus. Satan is the rule of this world. He is our enemy. He is the father of lies. He is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy us, our walk with God, our worship of God, and our witness for God. And one of Satan's oldest tactics in spiritual warfare, one of Satan's oldest weapons that he uses often when it comes to spiritual warfare is he attacks the message of God and the ministers who speak for God. Satan will attack the message of God and the ministers who speak for God. He'll say things such as, oh, this, you know, this was written a long time ago. And the message was written a long time ago, and it's not up to date. It's not current. Man, there's so many things going on in our world today that they really didn't talk about. That was all part of the culture back then, and so it doesn't really match up to where we are because, you know, we are so much more advanced as a people and as a society from Bible days. And so you really can't trust. I mean, it's a good book to read. It's got some history. It's got some interesting, but you can't trust everything in it because not everything in it is true. There's all kinds of contradictions in there. They'll attack, he attacks the message of God with his lies, but he'll also attack the ministers who speak for God. 
See, here's what Satan will do. He attacks and targets faithful pastors who are fulfilling God's call and ministry. He attacks pastors who preach and teach the word in season and out of season, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, when it's popular, when it's not popular. Pastors who rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Why does he do this? Satan does this because he wants to discourage people by discrediting pastors. And he wants to divide God's people by discrediting their pastors. And so Satan targets pastors with his lies, and he whispers his lies to God's people in particular in local churches, such as in Galatea. He does the same thing today, just like he did with Paul. He'll do with us today. And he whispers things to God's people, lies, because that's all he can do. He'll whisper lies to God's people, such as your pastor isn't good enough. Your pastor doesn't do enough. Your pastor's not wise enough. Your pastor's not smart enough. Your pastor doesn't know enough. Your pastor's not loving enough. Your pastor's not kind enough. And so on and so on and so on. Because he wants to divide God's people. He doesn't want people coming to faith in Christ, and he doesn't want those of us who know Jesus to follow Jesus. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit of truth living in us. Holy Spirit of truth who lives in us, he reminds us of God's truth, which allows us to resist the lies of Satan. And as he reminds us of God's truth, we're able to resist the lies of Satan, and we're able to walk in God's truth, and we are able to live in the victory that ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're able to continue growing in our faith in Christ Jesus. And so right here at the beginning, Paul is the author, and we're immediately seeing the battle is on. It's on here uh, in this writing. So let's look at the second point. The second point is the recipients. The author is Paul. The recipients were the churches in Galatea. Let's look in verse 2. He continues in verse 2, and he says, And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatea. All the brothers who are with me. Let's look at that real quick. Paul alone was the author of Galatians, but Paul was not alone. When he said, and all the brothers who were with me, Paul gave us indication that there were other godly brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who were with Paul, who understood what Paul was writing, and who agreed with what Paul was writing in this letter to the churches of Galatea. We know, more than likely, we can identify at least one of these brothers. I feel like we can identify one of these brothers with with a high level of confidence, and that would be Barnabas. Barnabas was no doubt more than likely one of these brothers that Paul was referring to here because Barnabas was with Paul on his first missionary journey when they planted the churches of Galatea, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. So though Paul did not identify who all of these brothers were, no doubt the believers in the churches of Galatea were aware and familiar with who he was talking about. The recipients then are the churches. He said, to the churches of Galatea. Churches there in the original language from the word ecclesia. Ecclesia is a combination word. It comes from the word ek, which means out, and klesis, which means called. The called out ones. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the called out ones in Christ Jesus. We have been called out of the darkness of sin and of the marvelous light of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I, we are the church. I am one of the called out ones in Christ Jesus. And so when Paul writes here to the churches, 
churches here, ecclesia or churches, can refer to followers of Jesus in general. But churches or ecclesia or churches can also refer to specific local groups of followers of Jesus in local churches. And so Paul in this letter is writing to the followers of Jesus in the specific local churches in Galatea. These are specific local churches, and in these local churches are these followers of Jesus that are part of these local churches, and that's who he's writing this letter to. These churches were more than likely the churches located in southern Galatea, the churches that Paul and Barnabas planted on the first missionary journey. So let's look at the map real quick. Hopefully you can see this. If you're sitting in the back, hopefully you can see this. But you see over on the right, uh, there is Antioch. And uh, you see the red arrow or the red line. That is the the drawing. That's the course of Paul's first missionary journey. He and Barnabas and John Mark embarked on the first missionary journey. They left Antioch. They sailed to Cyprus. It was in Cyprus as they were making their way through Cyprus, ministering there, that John Mark decided he was out and he went back to Jerusalem. And then uh, Paul and Barnabas continued sailing and they went up to Pamphylia. They made their way there and then they went up into Galatea. You see there, Galatea is is a sizable area of land. And so they went up and then Paul and Barnabas started planting churches in the southern part of Galatea, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. This was the first missionary journey. So as they made their way up there, they went to Antioch and Pisidia, planted a church there, appointed elders, went down to Iconium, did the same thing, went down to Lystra. It was in Lystra, if you remember, where Paul was beaten and left for dead outside of the town of Lystra. They beat him to the point where everybody thought this guy's dead. And so they left and Paul uh, was not dead. He went, got up, went back into Lystra that night and then went on and made their way down to Derbe. And then as they finished ministering in Derby, they turned back around and they went back to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Pamphylia, and then they sailed back over to uh, Antioch, which ended the first missionary journey. And so Paul, in writing to the churches in Galatea, Paul and Barnabas went on this first missionary journey. They planted those four churches in particular in the southern part of Galatea, got back to Antioch, were resting, were recuperating, were, were ministering in the town of Antioch. That's when they heard about what was going on, how the false teachers had come into those churches. And Paul then penned the letter of Galatians that was then delivered to the churches uh, in Galatea, the churches of the southern part of Galatea, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. It was kind of a circular letter that was read throughout those churches. The recipients were the churches of Galatea, in particular, the southern part of Galatea. But also, if you're taking notes, write this down. The recipients includes you and me today. We are the recipients of this letter. You're the recipient of this letter. I am the recipient of this letter. God's going to speak to you through this, just like he did the believers in southern Galatea years and years and years ago. And now let's look at the date. The date. The third point, the author is Paul. Uh, the recipients of the churches of southern Galatea, the recipients, the date is uh, sometime around A.D. 48 to 50. A.D. 48 to 50. The timing can be a challenge to pinpoint with accuracy the exact time of the writing of Galatians due to the differences in accounting years and time in regards to Bible times versus our accounting time today. 
in Bible times, many times a year could consist of a month or two months. Any part of a year was classified many times as a full year. And so we know that this letter was written after Paul's first missionary journey uh, into Galatea. We know that he had planted the churches with Barnabas. He had ministered, planted, appointed elders, and left. And so we know the, <clears throat> the letter had to have been written after that point. Uh, most scholars agree that this time frame was more than likely with around A.D. 48 to A.D. 50, somewhere in that time frame. The important aspect of this timing uh, is, is this, and I want you to understand this. This timing is incredible. It's unbelievable, and it's exciting for us today. This timing, and the reason I say this is because of how close in time this letter written to the churches in southern Galatea is to the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Follow me. Most believe and date the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, the three years or so of his earthly ministry, which includes death, burial, resurrection, post-resurrection appearances, and ascension back into heaven. Around A.D. 30 to A.D. 33, some will say A.D. 31 to A.D. 34, it's in that zone. So this means that the writing of this letter by Paul, these churches and the southern part of Galatea was more than likely within 20 years was inside of 20 years from the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. This is exciting and awesome and incredible because this means <clears throat> when Paul was writing this letter, there were many eyewitnesses still living who were eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus who walked with Jesus, who may have talked with Jesus. Peter, James, and John were some who literally knew Jesus, who served with Jesus. There were many other eyewitnesses because only a short period of time had expired from the earthly ministry of Jesus to the writing of this letter to the churches in Galatea. Therefore, that means there would have been plenty of people around living during this time who could have either confirmed or corrected what Paul was saying, his teaching and his information. And so that we have this information, we have this letter, we have this teaching, we have this writing, is further indication to the, and it is a huge piece of evidence that points towards the veracity, the trustworthiness, the reliability of the Word of God for you and me today. It's awesome. We can look into this word and we can trust this is God's word to you and to me. One of the reasons, one of the pieces of evidence and a huge piece of evidence in trusting and testing the reliability of an ancient document is looking at the timing of that ancient document. And obviously the goal is when you have events in history, when those events happen, you look immediately to when is the first and when are the writings about those events? And if you have a writing about an event, you want that writing to be as close to the event as possible because when a writing is close to the event that it's writing about, then if it's close in time, then there's less time for error and for exaggeration to happen in the course of that time. It's like you talk to folks who are high school athletes, and they'll tell you they never got into a game in high school. But if you talk to them later in adulthood, you would have thought they played in the professional leagues. Their stories get better and better and better as time goes on. It's amazing. And so what we see here is 
there is very little time that's elapsed. We've got the events of Jesus Christ on earth. And now Paul's writing about this, and he's sending a letter to the believers in the southern part of Galatea, and we're talking, it's close. And there's so many people around that could have called Paul on the carpet, but they didn't. Why? Because it was accurate and true. So that means for you and me today, we can trust the Word of God. And as we study this Word, we know that as we make our way through Galatians, we're getting truth straight from God through Paul, and it's accurate. It's reliable, and it's a blessing for us. The fourth point is the theme. The theme that we'll see over and over again is salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by works. Not by works. The false teachers had infiltrated these churches, and they were teaching that salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus plus works. So Paul met this false teaching head on with passion and with God's truth. We're going to learn more about three focus points, and this is what we see in the the title of this series. We're going to learn more about faith in Jesus as we make our way through because Paul writes a lot about faith in Jesus. Paul was a persecutor of Christ followers, and he became a preacher to Christ followers. If you look towards the end of Galatians chapter 1 real quick, I love what Paul wrote. We'll get this, and we'll spend more time on this later. But look what Paul wrote in verse 22. I remain personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing... He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorify God because of me. What an awesome testimony. What does this mean? It means this. True change is available for everyone by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? True change is available to everyone by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Faith is the certainty, the assurance, the reality of things hoped for. It is the conviction, the evidence, the proof of things not yet seen. Without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. And so we know we are saved by God's grace through, grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We are not saved by Jesus plus works, such as doing a lot of good works for people. Plus, good, if Jesus plus the good work of, of baptism or plus circumcision or plus obedience to Old Testament law or plus becoming a, a Jewish proselyte in order to be called a Christian. No, no, no. Salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. And Paul's going to continue to reinforce this throughout this letter. Everyone lives by faith. Everyone lives by faith. The question is, in whom or in what are they placing their faith? God wants us to believe in him, to obey him, to trust him. And Paul's going to show us, as we make our way towards the end of Galatians, that the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of our faith in Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, is the evidence of our faith in Jesus. It's the evidence of God's work in us. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit doing His work in and through our lives. And so God empowers us to live by faith in Him, and God blesses us as we live by faith in Him. We're going to read, and we're going to talk, and we're going to discuss a lot about faith. Secondly, we're going to learn more about freedom in Jesus As Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Jesus Christ has set us free from our bondage to sin and selfishness by his finished work on the cross of Calvary. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. 
And so we know and understand that we are not free in Jesus to live however we want to live. We're not free in Jesus to do whatever we want to do. We're not free in Jesus to go wherever we want to go, when we want to go, and to do and say whatever it is we want to do and say. No, no, no. We are free in Jesus to live for Jesus. You see, Jesus has set us free so that we can live his way. Jesus has set us free so that we can live a life of love. Jesus has set us free so that we can love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus has set us free so that we can be a blessing to one another. Jesus has set us free so that we can encourage one another and forgive one another, so that we can bear one another's burdens. Jesus has set us free so that we can meet one another's needs. Jesus has set us free so that we can pray for and with one another. Jesus has set us free so that we can be effective witnesses for him. We'll talk about faith, and we're going to talk about freedom. And then we're also going to learn about family in Jesus. Faith, freedom, and family. Paul called the believers in the churches in Galatea his brothers and sisters, or his brethren, over ten times in this letter. Over ten different times. We understand, as Paul shares with us, that we are members of God's household of faith in Christ Jesus. We're members of the household of faith in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, God wants us to live his way with our family members in Christ Jesus. We're to live his way. So. That's why he talks a lot about faith and he talks a lot about freedom because that faith and freedom is to be poured into our lives as family, brothers and sisters. In Jesus, as Paul shared with us in Galatians chapter 6, if you look there in chapter 6 in verse 9 and 10, he says these words, and we'll get to these Eventually, but we're going to talk about them along our walk to this chapter. He said in verse 9, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Let us work for the good of all especially those who belong to the household of faith. Good means that which is beneficial, excellent, pleasant, and useful. We as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we're to work for the good, for the benefit. We're to do what is excellent, pleasant, and useful for everyone, but especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Really work for the good of one another. And Paul's heart full of passion, comes pouring out in these very first verses because he understands we must work for the good of one another. And that's why he begins going after the false teachers who are trying to divide and destroy them. That's why he immediately, immediately begins ministering to them. There's great encouragement for us in Galatians. Great encouragement for us. As we look at this passage, we're already in the greeting, in the greeting in the first couple of verses, we begin to see, hey, we're saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. 
We are free in Jesus to live for Jesus. We are free in Jesus to love others like Jesus. We have been commissioned and sent out by God as apostles, as disciples, as followers to share the gospel with those around us. God empowers us as we share the gospel. God blesses us as we share the gospel. We already know that God is maturing us in our faith in Jesus. God is using us to minister to one another through Jesus. God is using us to help others come to know Jesus. Therefore, Paul says from the beginning, he'll say in the middle, he'll say it at the end. Therefore, let's keep following Jesus by faith. Focusing in on doing good for everyone around us. Good defined as the good news of the gospel. But especially, especially doing good to our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. It's an opportunity for us to respond to the Lord this morning. God is speaking and moving and working. and Our pastors will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. One of the things that we can do, it, it enables us to work for the good of one another, to, to do good to one another. One of the ways that we're able to stop from getting weary and growing tired and giving up when it comes to doing good for one another. One of the things that encourages us as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus is to pray with and pray for one another. So I want to encourage you as you're doing business with the Lord, as he's speaking to you, I want to encourage you maybe just to grab the hand of your loved one near you and just, just pray with them, pray for them. These pastors will be up here, the ministers will be up here, they'd love to pray with you. If you have an e-care concern that you'd like to lift up, they would love to pray over you, pray for you, be a blessing for them, an encouragement for them and you as well. Helps us to continue to stay focused and stay motivated to do good for all, especially those who are the household of faith. Likewise, as we've shared this morning, salvation, new life with God, a relationship with God is possible because of God's grace at work in our lives through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God demonstrated his grace, mercy, and love for us as he sent Jesus to this earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus did just that. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. He is alive today, and he is the only way to a relationship with God. The only way to get to God is by faith and trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And you can make that decision today to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, to repent of your sins, as Paul once did back on that Damascus road, to just respond to the Lord and say, listen, God, I am not going to live my way anymore. I'm done living my way. I turn around. I repent, and I turn and God, I want to live your way. So I confess my sins, God, and I receive Jesus Christ into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come in and save me. Take over, take charge. He will do just that. Just cry out to him. Here we are seated, streaming online, wherever you may be. 
God will hear your prayer. He will save you. God knows your heart. He is the God who saves. We would love to encourage you in that decision. We'd love to encourage you as you grow from that decision. We're going to continue to spend this time with the Father. Let's stand and let's continue to spend time with God. And with